Welcome to the show. It's Shavar again with another amazing guest. This is someone who I believe or I know is dope, is influential, who is steadfast in who they is and who they are and who what their belief is. Um, I've known this person a long time. Probably I'm not gonna say how long because that gives away our ages, but I've known this person for a long time. Uh, a dope artist. Um I, uh, I've been to some of their shows, you know, uh, I, I've been there from when they were in college, we went to Cooper Union, and, and I'm gonna, I have some questions about that show, if, 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 if David Rios Ferreira, did I say it correctly? David Rios Ferreira, yeah. I, I, I you go close, so you go close. <laughs> so, um, David, you know, I want you to talk to the guests, talk to the world, you know, sh- tell your story. Tell us uh, who you are and how did you come to be? Wow, okay, well... See, I, hopefully you don't run out of uh, memory here. Um, okay, well, I'll keep it brief. I mean, uh, so David Rios Ferreira, I'm a visual artist, an independent curator. Um, I'm also a program director and curator for the Children's Museum of Manhattan. Um, and, you know, born and raised in New York, currently live in Jersey City, doing, doing the art life. Um, recently had some... Uh, interesting shows that opened up um, actually just last week. Um, my first Manhattan Chelsea show at uh, Morgan Lehman nice. just opened and hopefully people can get around to seeing it. They are open, which is great. Um, and that's, you know, that, that show just maybe using that as a jumping off point, that show really encompasses a lot of what my work has been exploring for the last maybe 10 years now. Um, I create, you know, I keep mostly drawings, mm-hmm. uh, large scale drawings. Um, I use paint. I don't, I, I, and I do sometimes call them painting, but we can talk a little bit more about that later, okay. but um, mostly drawings. I love line. And so I pull from lines that exist in the world, um, specifically uh, political cartoons from like the 1930s, uh, 18th century uh, etchings, children's cartoons, coloring books, um, and I pull them together to sort of recreate new forms, um, really speaking to this idea of a mixture and speaking to a lot of ideas I explore that relate to how I grew up both as a mainland Puerto Rican. My parents were born in Puerto Rico. I grew up in New York. Um, and I use that term mainland Puerto Rican because it's a very specific identity than those who are um, who grew up on the island and and there's a lot about that that I explore in the work. Um, and also just growing up around my nephews who are on the autism spectrum, who pull from existing sources to really help communicate their needs and wants. And that really inspired this practice of pulling these existing sources that I, I just mentioned um, and using that to explore really complex ideas around identity, around gender, around the idea of nationality or nation. Um, and so a lot of the works pull, you know, pull these disparate images together to create sometimes really, I sometimes call them temporal beings or, or some people refer to them as creatures. Sometimes I refer to them as bundles and, and, and like just these amorphous, uh, set of objects that come together. Um, and that's all, you know, mixing this idea of my nephews and, and, and the sources and, you know, growing up as someone who identifies as Latinx, but, uh, but also as queer, 
uh, growing up in New York, this idea of how identities are formed and what that relationship is to our history and how we're informed by this history and how that history impacts our daily lives, how it impacts both how we grow up to be humans, but also how we just deal with day to day, whether it's our relationships with our loved ones, how we, had to, you know, how we carry ourselves throughout the world. Um, and I believe a lot of that history has a residue. So I think of my lines, all these references that I pull, I kind of think of that as this, this slippage, this time slippage that's like pulling people back and forth. Um, and, you know, a good example for people to help people understand what I'm talking about. I, I like to think of, um, if you ever read uh, Toni Morrison's Beloved mm-hmm. and this idea that time both exists now and in the past and in the future and how this and how that connects both, especially from, you know, the, 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 the culture that Morrison's referring to and how that how that connects to Caribbean culture, you know, Caribbean culture, sense of our sense of time, our sense of spirituality, our sense of relationships with our loved ones who have passed relationships with ancestors and you know the work really tries to i don't want to say pin it down because even though they're drawings they tend to be drawings so they are very graphic and solid in a way i like Mm -hmm. to think that they're fluid and i like to think that there are things that are happening there that some viewers maybe get subliminally you know that 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 you know that are speaking to you in another realm which sort of speaks to this connection to spirituality that i'm interested Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm in relation to time. Um, and that's what a lot of the work is about. So, so right now the, the exhibit at Morgan Lehman's, um, the title is gesture for one and tears for all that is dark. And a lot of that has to do with, um, that actually, that phrase actually came from a book, uh, by one of my favorite authors, Louis and Yamanaka, um, who's based in Hawaii, who writes, uh, these narratives about family life, specifically Japanese Hawaiian family life in the islands, which really, I think what, you know, and we were talking about this before the show, how we connect with people who have similar narratives. And so her narratives around these characters really mirror what I knew growing up, growing up as a mainland Puerto Rican from with family and parents who grew up on the Island and the, the understanding of family. And so that, that actually, that title refers to um, the description of a child who doesn't speak. And so this idea of moving throughout the world, both, you know, seeking things and needing guidance and how treacherous that can be um, and how, but also how beautiful that can be. So a lot of the work in the exhibit sort of explores this idea um, in a lot of ways um, to childhood, to parenthood, with regard with within the realm of how I use these images and how these images come together. And um, they can be very abstract, but they can also be very tender. And so, um, so that's the show that's up now. Um, And I do, so that's, so that's my art realm. Um, I also do a bit of curating Uh, recently did a show for a gallery in the Bronx called empty set. Um, It was an exhibit called expect some discomfort, which spoke to you know it opened back in july and you know here we are at a time it was briefly after um and actually the the protests were still going on the demonstrations were still going on um those inspired by floyd and the blm movement and also here we are still dealing with um 
COVID and the coronavirus. And so there's a lot of talk around healing, you know, that was going around, whether it was art exhibitions online or artist talks or Zoom talks or even podcasts. And I was really interested in these artists um, who have been dealing with this idea of healing for a really long time. And how sometimes, you know, I think a lot of people talk about the, the end product of like how beautiful it's going to be and how helpful it's going to be. And this idea of healing. And so often I think, I don't know how, I don't know what you picture Shabar when you think of healing, but I feel like some people think of rainbows and bright colors and like happiness. And it's a struggle. And so it's do ours. I do too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love butterflies. Don't get, don't get me wrong. I love butterflies. And... Right. Right. And that's great. But sometimes that the butterflies come later, you know, the, the... but there's the work, Right. I think what you're alluding to is the process, which is probably the most important part. Am I correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And sometimes that's not pretty. Yeah, it's not at all. So, and I do. I, then that's what I want to ask you about. You know, with your work, and I've seen your work. You, you you go through the process or show part of the process on Instagram in some of your videos. Like, what's the process from uh, creating the, the, these images or creating these pieces? Do you have a sketchbook first? Is it in your head? Like, how do you go from your head to, is it to the paper or is it straight to the canvas? Like, what is that? What is, talk us through that entire process, if you can. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so because I'm using these pre-existing sources, um, I don't do a whole lot of pre-development or pre-sketching because it's, um, it's almost like more like collage, the Got way it. it starts to develop. So I'm looking at these different sources and like I have like a cache of them. So there's images from, uh, like I said, the 1930s political cartoons. A lot of those mm-hmm. are images that um, are sort of these humorous reflections on America's mm-hmm. um, territories, specifically mm-hmm. Puerto Rico, the Philippines, Hawaii, Mm-hmm. Um, other Caribbean islands and how they and how these people are depicted. And so I pull out from those kind of images, um, the cartoons and the coloring books, and I just sift through them. You know, sometimes I have an idea. Um, and so for instance, in the new, in the show, in the exhibition, there's a piece called surrogate or mother and child. And that's the name of the, that's the name of the, uh, painting. And it actually started with me just wanting to explore this traditional um, art historical trope of mother and child or Madonna and child. It's, you know, mm-hmm. that, that image you see of uh, Mary and Jesus or other, um, other archetypal imagery that you find in Egypt or in other cultures of the mother and child. Um, you might even see it in Impressionism and other forms of, of art history. It was a very common image. And it wasn't until I was checking out um, I'm really inspired by the Cuban artist uh, Wilfred Olem, and he did a version of Mother and Child, which was sort of this, almost like this horse figure with spikes holding what you think is a baby. And anyway, it completely sort of threw for me what it could mean to explore that image, but so specifically, and in his, in his case, looking at... Um, African-inspired art that came out of Cuba and that was coming out of the, his his community. So looking at that and applying that kind of, of lens through this very somewhat Eurocentric image of mother and child. So that's, a, that's the one time where I would say one of the few times where I really kind of knew what I wanted. I didn't know where it was going to end up. So with mm-hmm. that one, you know, it starts off with like, okay, like I'm going to identify the, like a form that is maybe going to be the mother. 
and another form that's going to be the child. And that's going to be made up of all these different references. And so, yeah, I'm sifting through them. Um, I might, sometimes I might digitally collage them to see how they look. And then, uh, so in this case, okay, I'll just take you through that one painting. That painting was uh, the form of the mother figure or what I would call like the caretaker or the surrogate uh, was something that I collaged online. On, on computer on the, uh, digitally and then would project that image onto in this case it was a wood panel mm-hmm. and redrew the image that would then get painted um, with the various colors that I apply and that's just the line work so I'm really interested in the line and so the line work that went into this form um, then once that once that's applied on the surface I still don't know where it's going to end up so I might, um, you know, I like filling empty, empty areas with color, um, foliage. And in this case, this figure sort of gets surrounded by these almost like ivy-like, uh, you know, um, wiry uh, leaves and colors and uh, shapes are popping out of it. And so there, there's a moment, I will say that when I'm working on something where I think I screwed it up. <laughs> like, all right, there's no, or, or I hate it actually. I'll do it and I'm in the middle of it. I know it's not done and I'm not liking it. Like I'm not liking it. And so I just have to keep pushing, you know, keep pushing and keep applying and maybe not look at the image for a while. Maybe look at something else. Maybe look at other works of art. Maybe read some more. Um, and so this one had that process of digital to projected to painting. Um, in some cases, I have these images on acetate sheets, sort of like these old school uh, overhead projector sheets that you used to have. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe people like you and I had that in school. <laughs> I don't know who has that now. I don't think they have that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, but what I really like about them is that there, there's a way, it's a great way to sort of see these different line sources that I pulled together and to collage them together in a way to see how the lines converge. Because I like when the, all the lines of these sources start to layer on top of each other and almost start to create a complete form. So that's another way that I might start these drawings. Um, right now, there's a giant piece in the studio. It's going to be about, I want to say, 120 inches uh, long, about six foot, maybe seven feet high. That one's scary because I'm just throwing the images up and drawing them. And so I don't know where this is going. And it's a lot of surface that I hope I don't screw up, but it's, um, you know, so, so it varies the approach, but uh, it always depends on what my source is. So like with that one, I don't know what the end image is going to be. I don't have like, just like the, like unlike the mother and child one, right. I don't know where it's going and that can be scary and exciting. You said a couple of things. Well, first off, when you said uh, the, the the dimensions of the uh, the piece, I looked at my wall. I was like, maybe I can get it on my wall. <laughs> um, you said a couple of things that that kind of sparked something. And, you know, I, I'm going to vent really quickly, if you don't mind. When I was in high school, I used to love art. Well, I still love art. I used to draw a lot and, 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 I, and I took pride in it. And I remember taking this art class uh, in school because in in the school, I didn't go to a fancy specialized high school. Like I should have went to went to a regular public school. I'm not going to say their names uh, of their name. But when we had art in school, they gave us like 
scraps of paper. So I feel like I was doing first grade art. So I, that's what I, that's the only time I cut class in high school was the art class. So I ended up getting, they ended up putting them in an art program during after school for PM class. So I was like, cool, I go to this class and I end up loving it. And you, you, you keep saying lines. And the re- reason that it's triggering to me, David, because this art teacher <laughs> allowed me to use lines. She would say, you cannot use lines. Do not mm. use lines. And, it, and it, so I had to learn how to draw without using lines, which it helped me. It helped me using charcoal and what have you. And the hey, that you know, you're this artist and you use lines. And I went, we went to the museum and I saw a Picasso painting, which I thought was whack. This is my opinion. <laughs> and I was like, look, he used lines. She said, well, you're not Picasso. Well, I said, well, I'm better than him. But that's just my, <laughs> as a teenager, you're arrogant. You say whatever. <laughs> um. But yeah, so that that's one thing. The other thing you said was you said about the 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 journey of creating a piece. I know this other artist, an older gentleman who's been creating art for quite some time, and he actually did a a, a rope piece. Shout out to Coach Brown. He did this art piece similar to what you're talking about, not knowing the process, not knowing where you're going, and he. Uh, was creating this art, this rope piece, which he actually gave me a photo of, where he didn't know where he was going. And he covered it up. He would, for some building downtown, uh, with someone who paid him like a crap load of money. Um, and he, this was, this was his first time doing this rope piece, these rope art. And he actually, he would do a piece, cover it up, do a piece, cover it up. And he didn't know what was going to happen to the end. And mm. at the end of it, he produced this beautiful piece of art that, like I said, he got paid a lot of money. I'm like, I'm in the wrong business. You know, he got paid more than my <laughs> more than my yearly salary for this piece. But he <laughs> so but so when you said that that reminded me of him and his process. But I want to take I want I want I want some I need some history. You know, can you go backwards to when you found out you fell in love with art? Or are you in love with art? That's a that's a that's a question. Are you in love with that art? That is a good question. That is a good question. Um, well, I don't know. Okay, I want to respond to your line and your rope reference <laughs> real quick. <laughs> well, I mean, kind of, kind of relates. It kind of relates. I think that there's sort of this, you know, with arts education, sometimes this idea of building in a challenge for the kid is about helping them see the world in a different way. So like you right. being challenged to not use line, the intention I imagine was to get you to sort of open up away from what you're used to right so like we're used to lines and and if you're like me you grew up on comic books and cartoons (laughs) and so those lines always are there and so you think that that's what creating an image is and so and that can be frustrating you know in the wrong situation that can turn you off completely and it did for me I had a similar experience. And I think, you know, like you said, I'm an artist now who uses nothing but lines. Yeah, because I get to because I want to, right? I do get to do what I want. And, but it is, but it is something where like, I'm really, I'm interested in how those, the lines, because someone touched those lines. Someone, somebody acted, like with painting, it's a little harder. And even some sculpture, it's hard to see the hand, but with a drawing, Right. That was done by a person. You could, you know, you could really this idea of attaching the energy. So, right. yeah, I use lines, but just like your, you know, the artist you mentioned, I don't always know as they start to land on the surface where they're going to go. And I think that's important for artists because if you can figure it out, then you don't need to make it. If you can figure it out in your head and you imagine it, boom. Why do you, like what is it? So what are you getting out of it? You know, what do you need to do it for? I like that. And some sometimes that unknown is what makes a piece 
even greater than what you anticipated, you know, and that some of that unknown. So artists do that all the time. Artists always are trying to find ways to prevent from complete control, or even if they do have control, there's always some kind of element that throws them a bit so that they really can get a handle on what, you know, because it's a practice. I mean, this is what we call it an art practice. You know, your things are going to be really good at, and there's things that you're not going to be good at. There's things that you're going to learn how to do and learn how to be good at, and then find out you're not good at it at all. And like, right. it's, just, it's just this sort of ongoing thing. So am I in love with art? <laughs> um, sometimes I'm not, you know? And that's sometimes, okay. sometimes that's you know, sometimes I'm not. And I think it's, I, sh- I share that because I think sometimes people's intentions and motivations for making art, it's everyone's different. Everyone, right. Everyone's got their reasons. Um, in a lot of ways, not to sound cheesy, but I have to make art. Like I, I, I can't not, you know, there have definitely been moments where I've put it, you know, um, I would say definitely at the beginning of the COVID uh, shutdown. I had, couldn't go to my studio and I didn't have any art supplies at home. And there was a moment where I'm like, all right, I can, I'm down with this. I can watch Netflix and work, for, <laughs> you know, I'm doing my job, my other job from home. I'm fine. I don't need to make art. And then it started to get to me. Like it really, it is something I have to do. So whether I love it or not, it exists, you know, right. it has to happen. Right. Um, do I love other people's art? You know, there are moments where I, I love looking at other artists. And again, I love curating. I love being able to, to share others' voices. And to me, that's what I like. That's what I get out of that is not necessarily the pieces themselves, but really being able to amplify voices of people who I really think are important, just like what you're doing here. Um, but in terms of things that inspire me, like I'm, I'm actually more inspired by things like dance and film. Like those are the kind of things that after I watch or experience them, I get excited to go back to the studio. That's dope. That's dope. So that's, you know, it's, it's different for everybody. Um, I guess in, in a lot of ways, because in those cases, it's a mystery to me how it's made. Right. Like music. Like I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. If you ask me how this came to be, I have no idea. It's magic. And I think for some people, that's visual arts too. I think some, to some people, visual arts is magic. They can't identify with how it's, how these things have come to be. And that's what makes all these things so powerful. Thank you for saying it's magic because I still believe in magic. And like, again, seeing your work and seeing others, you know, following the process or learning, you know, you mentioned this earlier, that process is is important. It might be painful, but it's Mm -hmm, necessary, mm -hmm. you know, and really quickly, um, how did, like, what made you, why did you want to become an artist? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I was drawing, um, I was probably drawing pictures as early as two or three years old. Um, By three years old, I was definitely doing things that were recognizable Mm -hmm. um, to the surprise of my family. You know, I'm the youngest. So uh, to freak out all my siblings and my parents that these were images that they could actually tell what they were was kind of, you know, and I, I say that not to boast, but I say that because it really did weird them out, <laughs> you know, like they were excited, but also like, how is this happening? And um, so that's been, yeah, I've been drawing ever since I can remember. And I think, you know, it was hard. I can't say I always knew it was a job. I can't say I always knew it was something that I could, you know, make money off of, I guess, um, which shouldn't be the end game, end game but when you're in a family, uh, you know, and you're, and you're growing right. up in the city, that's, that's a concern. Right. Um, 
I think the art thing was so cool until I started applying to colleges and they're like, oh, oh, we're doing this. Oh, we're going to do this. I see. Okay. (laughs) Um, You know, there's that. And, but I just knew, I knew it was always something that I wanted to, that I needed to make. I needed to always make. I think for a long time, I thought I was going to be a Disney animator. I totally thought like, you know, when that idea of a job came up and, you know. I I remember you telling me this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You telling me this. Wait a minute. He told me this. Yes. Yes. In fact, I probably knew you when I still thought that's what I wanted to do. (laughs) I remember you telling me this. Holy crap. Like, wow. I'm like, wait a minute. We had this conversation before. We did. We did. Well, and we were working in film and video. Yeah. 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 You know? Yeah. And so it made a lot of sense to have, you know, to consider that and to, you know, to think of that as a career and, uh, until like my mind got changed, you know, I was in school with that Cooper and I just worked with a lot of professors and um, artists, uh, specifically artists of color, um, black and Asian artists who really got me understanding Mm -hmm. how my voice could be, you know, could live through this work. And um, they, they helped me believe that that was something that was important for me to consider and to take seriously. And, and so that's where I would say that it started to shift into being a more commercial, I guess what you call a commercial artist Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. into the kind of work that I'm doing now, um, which isn't not commercial. I mean, I think, you know, it's in a gallery and people, you know, people buy art. So there's, there's, there's that element of it that we can't deny, but um, it's different. I guess I'm not making work necessarily for others, like the way you would in, in, if, in, if I ended up being an animator. Right. Um, but yeah, no, it was really, it, it was, it was crucial to meet people who helped me understand that I could be in control, I guess was a way, a way to think about it. Cool. I have a question for the listeners or for aspiring artists. Uh, how long does it take you to do a piece on average? Oh, um, you know, it really depends on the piece. And I tend, I like working big and, um, and I also, because I'm using a lot of existing sources and sort of layering them together, depending on how I have to take them to the next level. Um, some of my new recent works on paper, for instance, I am repainting them using watercolor. And using sort of like a gradation approach where like mm-hmm. we move from one color to the next. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's just the first step of the drawing. So that part alone could take maybe the equivalent to two days. Um, and that's just the first step. And then after that, we're talking about with this particular work, uh, using collage, other painting, other drawing, um, more tracing, more layering. So you know, those those pieces are like eighteen by twenty four. That could take that could take anywhere between a couple of weeks, um, and it depends on how many I'm making. You know, the larger stuff, like the right now, the monster that's in my art studio right now, um, I could see that taking about a year or more. Oh wow! You know, um, there's a lot of layers and a lot of steps, but also that's just my process. Some people. Um, you know, I'm jealous when I see artists who are making work that is awesome. And I, not that I know that it's not taking them that long. And to say it's something doesn't take that long, doesn't give it value or not give it value. Like it doesn't, it, it shouldn't give or apply value to a piece. But uh, 
there's something really impressive for me when I can see like, oh, I don't have, <laughs> I, my stuff can be exhausting. Like you said, do I love art? <laughs> Not all the time. And you know, I, can't help, I can't help my process right now. Like I can't, I'd love, you know, to some extent, I think I could easily shift away and do something quote unquote easier. Um, but I can't for me. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's, it's depending on the artist, you know, some people really, um, it could be a, a quote unquote simple image that takes a really long time as they sort of put so much love and energy into it. Right, right. Or there could be something that looks really complicated that wasn't that hard. It just depends on what you're making and, and your skill set and, and, and your knowledge. Like sometimes I have to learn how to do certain things in order mm-hmm, to get mm-hmm. a work done. Um, so that kind of pump, you know, that kind of kicks into the time. Um, like I did. So for instance, I did a mural for brick in Brooklyn and in a part, as part of their cafe, uh, they do this cafe mural series. Mm-hmm. And I had to sort of think of my entire drawing process, which, yeah, I might start on the computer, but a lot of times I end up painting by hand and, and collaging and doing things that are very physical. Um, this whole thing, because they were going to basically print it on wallpaper. I had to think mm-hmm. of all the layers of this process. I still wanted it to look and feel physically feel like my drawings. Got it. So I had to think of how to replicate that all on the computer. And um, that actually, believe it or not, even though it's on the computer, that took a really long time. It was a piece that took a really long time to produce. Don't get, listen, I've done stuff on Photoshop where it takes forever. Like I've done stuff in Illustrator where it takes forever. Like, yeah, no, I think a lot of people who don't do it don't (laughs) know. They think it's really easy. It's not a clicking drag, people. Sometimes it is. Sometimes yeah. it is. <laughs> Sometimes. Well, some is. of these new apps, you know, some of these iPhone apps, you're like, where the hell, where were you all my life? And seriously, seriously. Some of them, like, I'll, I'll piece together some some posts from our job uh, really quickly via Canva or, or Spark or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. But if it's for myself, I take a different process you know, creating for myself. Like when I do photography and I'm editing a, um, a, a photo, like I, I literally sit down and I, and I watch every single corner and in, 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 in inch of that photo. Yep. The color of the leaves, the color of this person's hat. I watch and, and I tweak every single, and I do like, you took that long on one photo? Yes, I did. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's because of, it's it's because of how you're seeing it, right? So I imagine, yeah. has any did anybody like, look at these when they're in process and tell you like, Oh, it's fine. You can stop. Some people like, you know, I'll show them before and after I'm like, look, this is, this is step one. Like you said, now this is the tweak where I went to black and white, where I intensified the blacks. Now you see the, the differences because he don't fully understand until they, you walk them through the, the process. Yeah. Some people still don't get it. Like, why are you doing all that? You just do black and white. Every right. black and white image is not the same. <laughs> Trust me, people. Every colored image is the same. There's HDR. I'm, I'm going to go into this whole photography thing. I'm going to stop there. But there's a lot. <laughs> there's a whole lot with post-production, you know, in, in art in, in general, there's a lot. You know, that's why I love talking to artists, whether it's culinary artists, uh, whether it's musicians, whether it's, you know, uh, traditional artists. I love talking to them and learning their process. So I'm a little jealous of you. And I'm going to tell you why. Because this is something I want to do. I want to be an art curator. How could one become an art creator? You could become, I mean, uh, here's the thing, right? I mean, this is, we, we have to be careful. We don't continue to perpetuate some myth that it's like someone is granted this position. I mean, yes, there are jobs there. You gotta, (laughs) you gotta apply to and get resumes (laughs) and whatnot. But in terms of like, do you want to share other people's art? You could do that tomorrow. You do that today. You know, I mean, it's really about, 
you being able to, I mean, the way I see it is being able to bring artists together to both be in conversation with their work, right. but also just amplify their voices. And right. I think the opportunities they've gotten have been as, you know, from, you know, I did a, I did a curatorial job for the Lois Ed Print Shop. Um, that came out of a conversation about, you know, loving the work that was coming out of the residents that were there and mm-hmm. talking to the folks that, um, you know, the, the people that run that institution. And it, it, it didn't happen overnight. It was probably a number, maybe a year or two, actually, before they approached me to consider doing a show. Mm-hmm. Um, my role at the Children's Museum didn't start off as a curator. Uh, tech, you know, I'm the program director. I, we, we design experiences for your families when you come visit the museum. Uh, but with my art background, I was given an opportunity. Um, first, uh, we had an exhibit on Muslim culture mm-hmm. called America to Zanzibar. And um, the museum had you know they had this idea of you know uh, for those who are not children museum goers or when they're gone to a children museum they tend to be very interactive and a lot of stuff has to be fabricated in order to survive you know a kid <laughs> climbing on it or, or, mm-hmm. or kicking it um so the, the the method was to do that and explore the cultures in that way but they still wanted the contemporary american muslim voice and so they had this idea of doing that through contemporary artists so um, I was then tasked with sort of looking into bringing in, right now we ended up with five artists whose work was sprinkled throughout the exhibit. So you could still be near, you know, interacting with this um, manipulative or this environment that was created by the Children's Museum with advisors, by the way. So it wasn't like the museum, you know, thought of this on their own. They worked with a number of people from the Muslim community, from religious communities to cultural communities, through dance, uh, literacy, arts, you got, you name it. Um, so you'd be interacting with these objects, but then there would be these artworks sort of there, in some ways maybe for the adults to to sort of take on a different angle mm-hmm. uh, or, or not a different angle, but maybe even add to the narrative. And so we had performance artists, we had, um, you know, artists who reflected on their Muslim identity, but the output was abstract. And so that there was pieces that very much, you know, people who saw the cultural influence, it was either, it was explicitly there. And then there were others that were a little bit more implicit and more conceptual Mm -hmm. to give people a range of like what was out there. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's when it started. And then, and then from then on, we started doing more, what I call those integrated shows. So like the main show would be these interactive exhibits. Uh, We did another one called hello from Japan. It was the main exhibit was hello from Japan. And then we integrated contemporary artworks. Um, in different iterations, sometimes the exhibit would travel, so it would go and come back. Um, but it was recently where I was given the opportunity to design a series of exhibits where the contemporary art was the main thing, essentially. So we did an exhibit in 2018 called Art Artist in You. Um, and then right before the pandemic hit, we opened an exhibit called Inside Art. And in wow. both cases, I was able to work with contemporary artists um, to exhibit work that really spoke to a lot of issues of the day. So it wasn't, we weren't shy from exploring things like race and gender and um, inequality and, but also the environment and other, other issues uh, through their works of art. 
but we want to kids the have kids the opportunity give kids the opportunity to not only see how this work exists in our world but how it was made and then supply you with the same materials so in these exhibits you can see the art or even interact with it some of it was uh installation work and then there's space for you to make your own art and then we also provided space for artists to be in residence in the same environment so in that one gallery you can look at art you can work with artists who this is their this is their job this is what they do they're artists like me um and you can make your own with your family or on your own and so it's sort of this laboratory almost that we developed um and so hopefully we'll get there's a there's a third iteration that we're hoping to work on um as things start to cool off in the world uh but right now inside art is still open at the museum people are the museum did open um for uh timed tours so we are visiting inside art as one of our tours and you know a lot of these art like a lot of these works are some you know some really great pieces by like artists that come to mind uh, damien davis um he's an artist that works with a lot of iconic uh black imagery from history to pop culture and he created this interactive puzzle that kids can take apart and put back together that use images from the Tuskegee Airmen airplane to Cleopatra head to, you know, even issues around, um, you know, the image of the racist imagery and how that has been co-opted in pop culture. And, um, and so like that, that, that piece is in the exhibit. It's actually a really popular one um, all the way to this huge groundhog tunnel by the artist uh, Julianne Nagel that's based on a real groundhog that she actually scanned she was able to get a 3d scan from a real one that was underground that she then developed and kids can crawl through it and hang out in it and be in it and actually see um orthoscopic footage of a camera that's going through the exact same groundhog tunnel that you're in and so these artists you know they the, the works vary but it was really cool to start to think about how a children's museum could be the platform for exhibiting artwork that you know maybe isn't um always happy or isn't always colorful or isn't always you know what people i think associate with children i think children deserve really complex you know maybe not always serious but serious work that's and i agree with you children need complex work um and that that's just my opinion i, I think we we don't give children enough credit but I want to move on to our questions. So we have a so every show I do this uh, question bowl thing where I ask a guest uh, three questions, right? And I answer the question, so don't feel like the pressure's all on you. And you're <laughs> you're allowed to uh, uh, say pass, but you're only allowed to pass once. Ooh, Some okay. questions may be problematic. I got caught one of a problem. I got caught with a problematic question that I had to answer, and I had no choice because the guest answered. I had to give an honest answer. I'm not gonna ever lie on this show. I'm gonna be honest. And if the guests lie, that's up to them. But I'm gonna be honest. So, David, are you ready to answer the questions from the, the mysterious bowl? So you're answering them with me. You get to oh, yes, them yes. Too. I'm gonna yes. I'm not gonna put you on the spot by yourself. <laughs> we're doing this together. We're, and, right, and we're, right. and we're learning about each other. I'm having flashbacks to junior high school, but that's okay. <laughs> so here we go. Oh, this is a this is a good one. I mean, well, maybe, maybe not. Uh, and you, this may tell our ages. Uh, book or e-reader? Which do you prefer? <laughs> uh, oh, book, man! Always, <laughs> always, and forever. 
Yeah, it's nothing like a, a good old book, man. Like it is nothing like turning up pages and actually touching a book, you know, and, and putting it down and taking up space in your house. There's nothing like having a book. Well, right. Have, that's the only that's the only part I can't get past. <laughs> like I have so many like like books on on on, on my tablet or on my computer that I don't read. They just sitting there. I have the PDF files I have never read any of them. But if you give me a good old book, I'm gonna read that. So. I tell you what I do. I tell you what I like about the e-reader, though, that I tried recently is, you know, unfortunately, time. Yeah, we, some people feel like we have a lot of time in this, these days and age, but we kind of don't. I mean, don't. I mean, the hustle is real and it didn't end. <laughs> and, you know, you're still you're still working. So the audio book with the e-reader. Have you oh, tried yeah. that? Yes, the audio. I could do the audio book. Yes. <laughs> but like with the yeah. e-reader, so like you kind of feel like you're reading for real. Yeah, you I know, do you're kind of getting away with it, but uh Yeah, I could I a friend of mine, well the host of mother's show, he introduced me to audio books. He actually sent me a book on ADHD, which is really good. Um I yeah, I enjoyed it. I literally enjoyed it. Like I didn't let, and it was like, it was like he, the person was talking to me, the person's voice is flowing. So I, that I enjoyed, but. but so that, they, <laughs> that, what now you got to do is you got to match that with the e-read. So like what they do, I don't know which program, maybe it's Kindle. will do like, you'll see the words highlight as they're right. getting read out loud. And I know that sounds so elementary, but I felt good about it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Old school reading, like when someone taught you how to read, they would point at the words. Yeah. Yep. Amazing. Uh, you ready for the next one? Sure. Okay. What music genre best describes you? Ooh. Hmm. That's a good one. I don't. I never thought of that one either. <laughs> I give you, you if you want to pick two music genres, go for it. Uh, you know, I'm not going to hold you to one. But if well, you I got have, one, <laughs> I have one. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, part of it's because I also listen to it to to work, to focus. Right. And my staff make fun of me because they they know I still use Pandora. Don't tell anybody. Wow. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> um, but uh, movie scores. <laughs> Oh, okay. Like movie scores, like something like about like not hearing lyrics because lyric kind of can take me to a different place. Got it. But, and then a movie score, I feel like that there's some movement. Right. So it's, right. it's just different. It's just different than classical. So I'm not just, I can't just listen to classical, but right. uh, somehow movie scores really, it does it for me, but I, but I feel like that represents me. Like it's, 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 it's got layers to it but it still feels like, I don't want to say a story, but yeah, it still feels like a story is happening, that, that life's moving on. So like when Mission Impossible comes on, dun, 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 dun. Okay, well see, the thing is, when it's, when it's that memorable, like, like like Star Wars, for instance, when it's too memorable, I have to skip it. Okay, okay. Because <laughs> then I'm like, then I start like, then I start singing it. Then I start like, then right. I start like singing it, yeah. All right. So as far as me, what that's a tough one, dude. Like I didn't even know I put this question in there. Uh, wow, probably I guess you would say. I mean, I'm a big hip hop head, but I'm not hip hop. Mm-hmm. I am hip hop. I am hip hop. I am graffiti. I am DJing. I'm all that. But as far as 
what if you had to pick a genre that, that I would say describes me, although I'm going to say I'm hip hop 100 uh, percent. The music that describes me is probably neo soul, like a like a, mm, like a Jill mm-hmm. Scott or, or Maxwell, something chill, mm-hmm. relaxing. That's what I just like to chill and relax. Neo soul is the, is the genre of music that describes me, people. So sorry, you know, the turn up isn't real over here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta keep it, you know, you gotta keep it leveled, man. Look, I love me some good EDM, but I can't, that, that's not my life. Right. Likewise, it's the, it's like all the, all the genres that, cause I listen to all types of music. Like I love Avril beats. I love, I love, I love all this stuff. I'm like, wait a minute. I love Mm -hmm, it. But, mm -hmm. but it doesn't, does it describe me? You know, does it like, ah, I'm chill. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm just chill. I just need to be in the zone. All right. Last question from the question bowl. Okay. Better feeling free shipping or your order has been shipped. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I expected these questions to go one direction, but you got, you got, you got lucky, man. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> I can change the question. If you want to find another one. <laughs> We can do, well. What if we do another one right, 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 real quick after this? Because to uh, me, ahead, I think free shipping <laughs> all the way. Uh, I don't care when. I don't care when it's coming. As long as it's coming for free. <laughs> oh man! Oh man! That's a good question. Oh man! We, I'm like, ah. Uh, yeah, the free shipping. As I like, say, how you can deny? It. You can't deny. It. Who can deny free shipping? All right, let's, let's let me let me see. I'm 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 gonna mix it up. Let's see if something good comes out of here. Cause these are okay. Okay, this might be a little tragic. Uh, what movie? <laughs> well, I mean, it all depends. What movie absolutely scars you? Ooh, scars. <laughs> Wait, like scarred like, like, as in past tense, like it did. Yeah. Watch it again. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, even even past tense that you can't watch it, or it's like it's triggering. Like, okay, 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 I got one. You want me to go? Go for, no, go for it. Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> I thought you were like, I got one. Go for it. I'm like, okay, go. Uh, okay. So wait, I hope it's not cheating because it's not quite a movie, but it's it's a mini series, so it might as well be a movie, long right. like a long movie, right? And it's super important, and I think everyone needs to watch it. And I will, I will say that I, because I studied this storyline before this came out. Right. I know what's coming, and I, I, it's really, really hard for me. So I've only gotten halfway through. But when they see us, when oh wow, when they see us like that, I knew I followed that story. When, wow. they, when they refer to them as the Central Park Five, right? Because we're not calling yeah. that's not what they're called anymore. Yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, wow. And I knew that story. I knew that story. Uh, I, I knew that, that story, story also. Like <laughs> growing up as a kid to all the way to like researching it and becoming a part of my even my work at some point. Wow. So when that when that came out, I was like, oh, I need to see this. So they had I seen I'd read and saw documentaries. So this to see a reenactment, I, I I'll be honest with you. I can't, I've gotten through half of it. I still aim to finish it. I still want to, but I know I'm, I, it's hard. It's really hard for me. Wow. Um, I lived through that time, you know, and 
Yeah, man, like that. I can see. I, 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 I don't want to. I watched the first five minutes of it when they were in the park, have you mm. running around mm-hmm. being. I mean, they did teens being teens. You know, they were doing teenage things, and just watching it and that is triggering, dude. Like, like it is scarring. It, it can scar you because it's, you, you lived it. Like you know. And it's still happening to this day, mm-hmm. being accused because of the color of your skin, because someone called, picks up a phone and says there's a black person out there and and they just stop any random black person or, or people lie and say it was they assume it was the black person when in fact it wasn't. Or, you know, wow, wow, wow. You get well, a big pass know, on that one. That's a that's a good one. Well, and I know that wow. you. You get you can identify. We talk about this a lot working with youth. Is like right. the manipulation. They were children. Yeah, you know, it doesn't matter what they look like, how tall they were. How I, I talk about. I talk a lot about this with with other colleagues. This idea how especially young men who physically develop in a particular way immediately are labeled men. Yes, or labeled adults, and yes. they're not. And they're not. And they're still children, and they're still young people who are developing cognitively emotionally yes. psychologically and these kids these kids were manipulated these kids were manipulated so like yeah even adults are manipulated in that system and the system today right and i saw the footage you know i saw the raw footage of these kids being interviewed without their parents and it's it's a story that i mean i it's insane. And it's insane to still refer to them as children, even though now they're obviously they're, they're, they are grown men, but like that, to your point, like it just hasn't changed. And that level of manipulation of children in this particular instance, it's just so it's hard. It's hard. No, definitely. You know, thank you for, for saying that, you know, or sharing that because I, 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 for one, refused to watch. Never refused. I'm, I'm actually afraid to watch it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid because I, I, I grew up in that era and I knew how, you know, I knew what targeting, you know, was like, you know, I knew being 16, what that looked like in, 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 in police officers. I knew all that. So that is a very, scarring you know uh, a series and you are 100 percent right like i was trying to think of something that you know and that it is also triggering like and though i didn't watch it i think i'm gonna have to go with you on that because it's a historical event and unfortunately the person is a person who who leads our country who was also involved in that exactly, uh, exactly. And, and i don't want to get too much into that you know but it's it's unfortunate, man. Like I, I'm like stunned right now. Thank you, David. <laughs> well, no, it's one of those things where it's like like you. There's some movies that everyone's like, you got to see, you got to see. It's so right. important to our culture. It's so important to our history, and they don't always come. They don't always do justice, right? But this right. one, I did get through, and I and I and I and I I love the director, and I've loved her work for a long time, and it's right. just. It, it and the 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 actors, especially the, right. the the young the young men who play these right, these, right. these figures, are just phenomenal. And right. when it's that good, it, it it sometimes hurts that much more. No, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And I've heard tons of friends who told me who who've seen it. And again, it's triggering for me because like I I grew up in that area era, and I knew friends of friends of theirs, you know, and and just to see how they were vilified. And it like, and like, it reminded me at that time, and I'm a kid, like that could be me. 
Yeah. No kid should feel that way. No teenager should feel that way. No 13, 14 year old should feel that that could be me, that I could be wrongly accused. And we all knew it was a lie. All of us knew in the hood. We all knew it was a lie. All of us. And it's just it's just so unfortunate, you know. Wow. Um, so this is the part of the show where um we use the phrase, or I use the phrase, let the world know, because that's that's what I'm all about, letting the world know something dope, something cool. But this is up to the guests. I want you to let the world, anything you want to let the world know. It could be something positive. It could be something uh, political. It could be something spiritual. It could be something, it could be a recipe. I don't, it doesn't matter. What <laughs> you want to let the world know, David, if you need time, I can filibuster. Oof, I think... <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, you, you, you know, you, you did give me a heads up about this one and I wanted to think about it a little bit. And I think what's happening in my life right now, I, it's, you know, I just became a father and between that and my, thank you. Thank you. And between that and, and, you know, how my careers have evolved. If you want something, you just gotta, you just gotta take the steps to, to take it. I think, I think people, it really depends. It could be anything. It could be anything. But I feel like some of us are so, can be so debilitated by the what ifs. And, and you know what? And there is a lot out there that can prevent some of us from being successful. Believe me. And I know, and I know you and I talked about this earlier, <laughs> but at the same time, we can't let that paralyze us. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's so important, like put out in the universe do you need a job? Do you, are you looking for another job? Are mm-hmm. you um, wanting to show your work? Are you looking to, you know, <laughs> like you said, try recipe, whatever it is, but like put it out there in the universe, tell your friends, put it out on social media, like put it, like put it out there and, and be ready to take it. And I think that's the other thing is that some of us are given opportunities and we're not, we somehow talk ourselves out of it or we talk ourselves into believing that we're not worthy and you are worthy. You're worthy and you, but you got it, but you got to take it though. That's what, so I'm not, I'm not just going to spout the whole, like you're worthy and you deserve it all. You do deserve it, but you got to take it. You got to take the action. And I think that's, that's sort of what's put me in this place by, by mentors and people who believed in me, but that kind of like that, I don't want to say that tough love, but that love where they're like, all right, but now you got to take action. And that's what I put out there. That's what I think. I, want. I think everyone should know you deserve it, but you got to take it. Yeah, I, I'm all for that. Like I tell people that also, and I appreciate that, David, you know, sharing that you have to take it, man. Like it's, if it's there, if it's in front of you, it's not going to fall in your lap, put your hand out and grab it. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Grab it. so david you know and, and, and i said this to you in the past and i really mean this i need a piece from you and eventually i will figure out how and when where i could put it but for those of us who are who have the space and who is re- who are ready for how did they get in contact with you um yeah the, the folks can follow me on instagram at david rios art you can visit me on my website at david rios that's d-a-v-i-d-r-i-o-s-a-r-t um please come visit the show at morgan lehman gallery um in chelsea it'll be up till uh mid-november so hopefully you can see some of the work in person they are they are taking visitors you know they so everyone's social distance masks are being worn um but yeah that's they follow me on instagram follow what, me what, what are the what are the what are the hours 
Is it, is it uh, seven I, days a week or is it six days a week? So they're open Thursday through Sunday okay. from 11 to 6. Thursday through but, Sunday, 11 to 6. Got it. But uh, but please check out their website. They're at Morgan Lehman Gallery. Cool. Actually, I'm going to venture and go, you know, take a picture with your artwork, and, you know. But um, oh. but, but so it's it's a Shavario, anyway. So you guys know that you know how to get in contact with me. If you don't, here it is. Uh, on Instagram, it's at just underscore Shavar. On the Twitter, it's um, it's at Shavar. So those are the two ways you can get in contact with me. You can send me messages there. And, you know, if you know someone who you think is super dope and should be on the show, let me know. Um, but yeah, David says some really cool things today, and I appreciate appreciate you you know especially with what did you want to let the world know is going out there and taking it as we all should you know we all are deserving of of, of everything in life like not one person deserves more than the, more than the next you know that one person should get less than the next you know i think it's important to to take those take this advice and say you know what I want it. I'm going to go out there and grab it. I deserve it. I'm going to go out there and grab it. It's there. I'm going to go out there and grab it. So hopefully I get to see you guys next time or you guys hear me next time. Well, we have to talk. Thank you so much for having me on. No problem, man. It was great. I appreciate you. Mm-hmm.